Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Force podcast. My name is Captain Richard Byrne, and I'd like to welcome onto the show Comrade Gavin Egerton and Lieutenant Rory Bean. And today we're going to discuss the infantry corps of the Irish Army, its ethos and the career opportunities available in the corps. Before we get into the kind of main topic, Sir and Rory, I'd like you to be, tell us a little bit about your careers to date and what the highlights have been in your career in the Defence Forces. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having us today. We're very happy to be here and discuss the Infantry Corps more broadly and specifically the Infantry Ethos, which has just recently been relaunched. And so from my own perspective, um, I was commissioned into the uh, Infantry Corps from the 97th Cadet Class in 2004. I was posted to the 3rd Infantry Battalion in Kilkenny. Uh, I've also served in two other infantry units, the 4th Infantry Battalion in Cork and 1st Mechanised Infantry Company, then known as B Company, uh, in the Curragh, where I actually I trained recruits with Rory. He was one of the section commanders and I was the platoon commander. Um, I also served in the infantry school in the Army's military college, both as an instructor in the officer training wing and later as officer in charge and chief instructor of the NCO training wing. The NCO training wing uh, was probably a career highlight for me. That was where we were turning uh, corporals from the Army and the Air Corps into sergeants and also uh, sergeants into company sergeants and beyond. Uh, so it was a very rewarding experience. Uh, we had 50 students per course. We got to develop them, teach them the leadership and command skills necessary for promotion, but also the tactics up the company level that they require to, to be good infantry platoon sergeants or, or platoon sergeants in their own respective corps. Uh, Travelling overseas is also a career highlight for me. I, I've served overseas on four occasions, once to Chad, once to Mali, that was my most recent, and twice to Unifil in Lebanon. Um, so overall, I look back on 20 years of career in the infantry corps and I have nothing but positive things to say about that career in the army. And Rory? Hi, I'm uh, Lieutenant Rory Bean of the 7th Infantry Battalion. I'm in my 19th year of service in the Defence Forces. All 19 years have been served in the Infantry Corps. Uh, I trained as a recruit in the DFTC in 2004 and was posted to uh, B Company 3rd Infantry Battalion, which is now known as the 1st Mechanised Infantry Corps. Uh, I moved from the Mech in 2017 to the NCO Training Wing, uh, which is part of the Infantry School and the Military College, where I served until I was selected for the 11th Potential Officers Course in 2021. Upon commissioning, I was posted to the 7th Infantry Battalion, Cahill Brewer Barracks, where I'm currently training a recruit platoon. I've deployed in three missions overseas, uh, once to Liberia and Africa, and twice to Lebanon, um, with the most recent being in 2019. I've been strongly involved in training in the Defence Forces uh, during my career, having trained a number of recruit platoons, all arms and infantry standards courses, uh, along with senior NCOs courses and infantry young officers courses. Uh, I strongly feel that my highlights of my career to date have been getting selected for potential officers course. As to be totally honest, I didn't believe that someone who had served only in the infantry corps would have made uh, enough of a name for himself to be selected. Um, but in hindsight, I massively sold the infantry and myself short, as it turned out that nine of the 24 students had uh, only served in the infantry corps and infantry units. Next to this achievement, I would have to say that being awarded best supporting student on my platoon sergeant's battle course with British Army was a standout moment as I was an international student and it was an award voted on by my peers and fellow students. So Rory, you mentioned there a few times the potential officers course, so what is your career path? I know you're a lieutenant, but what is your career path since you, you joined the Defence Force? Was it, was it as a recruit and then you worked your way through? Or? Yeah, so I joined as a recruit. Um, i done my potential NCOs course in 2008 and then continued on the, the normal career path for an NCO my um, all arm standard NCOs course and then the Battle Sergeants course, become a sergeant. 
Um, I was then uh, selected for the potential officers course, which basically uh, it's, it's the 11th one ever run by the Defence Forces since the formation of the state. And it transforms um, NCOs into officers, so it, it picks uh, the best NCOs and then you do a, a, an 11-month potential officers course and then you get transferred over or commissioned to um, the officer rank. Very good. So you started with his recruit, private, corporal, you got to sergeant, was it? Yeah, got as far as sergeant. I was promoted to sergeant in 2018, early 2018. And then as a sergeant, then you, you got on the potential officers course. Yeah, that's correct. Just for some of the listeners that uh, perhaps aren't unfamiliar with the different corps in the Irish Army, could you start by explaining maybe what the infantry is and how it differs from other corps? So, sir, if you want to maybe take it off. Yeah, well, first I'll start by saying uh, the infantry corps is the largest corps in the Irish Army and 45% of the Irish Army are, are infantry. They're either in infantry units or they're uh, infantry uh, personnel serving in headquarters and mm-hmm. um, that doesn't make us better than any other corps and equally no other corps is better than us and mm-hmm. um, so most modern western armies uh, the various corps or branches sometimes they're called are typically grouped into three categories so you have combat combat support and combat service support so in the irish army the transport medical military police and ordnance corps they are combat service support soldiers so they work extremely hard to ensure our infantry men and women are equipped with the best weaponry kit uniforms etc and that were sustained on operations logistically medically and everything in between and um, they also ensure our vehicles are maintained and that they've, they've purchased the, the best vehicles for us to, to maneuver and um, then in terms of combat support uh, you've got communication information services soldiers so they ensure that within a battalion we can communicate securely both by voice and by data mm-hmm. but also with higher headquarters to a brigade headquarters or with the supporting arms such as cavalry artillery who will be providing uh, battle winning support to the infantry such as indirect fire support um, in terms of the engineers, they provide three things, mobility, counter-mobility and survivability. So that could involve s- supporting an infantry battalion in an attack where they would clear obstacles such as minefields or other obstacles an enemy force may create to slow us down or, or, or divert us. Um, in terms of counter-mobility, they can create obstacles themselves such as cratering a road or, or felling a tree. Um, so. In terms of the other final two combat support corps, they're quite important to the infantry. So this is the cavalry and the artillery. So in terms of the cavalry corps, they move ahead of the infantry in in armoured vehicles conducting reconnaissance to find the enemy that the infantry uh, must attack. And uh, during a battalion attack, for example, cavalry could then provide flank security to prevent the enemy Mm -hmm. counter-attacking. The artillery provide indirect fire support, so primarily that's the 105mm light gun, which has a a planning range of 15 kilometres. So they can support... Uh, the infantry by by engaging an enemy 15 kilometers away with, with high explosives so um the, the final core then it comes to of course is the infantry corps and and the infantry therefore by process of elimination are the combat soldiers of the irish army so that's why we refer to ourselves as the combat arm okay. we maneuver mounted and dismounted so mounted is in armored personnel carriers and dismounted is on foot carrying our, wep- our weapons and equipment uh, throughout the battlefield the infantry can deploy across the full spectrum of operations so peacekeeping peace support um, crisis management operations, peace enforcement, your listeners will be familiar with these terms. Um, but it's probably the conventional role is what makes the infantry unique in that we alone could be tasked to close with and destroy an enemy, um, to seize objectives, to hold ground by night or day and any terrain. Um, so therefore, the infantry must maintain these conventional capabilities as well as the agility to operate in the more complex environments I mentioned, such as peace support or crisis management operations. To do that, each infantry battalion possesses uh, its own organic reconnaissance and sniper platoon, mm-hmm. uh, an indirect fire platoon, so 81 millimeter, millimeter mortars, which have a, a planning range of five, five kilometers to deliver high explosive onto targets, uh, an anti-armor platoon, which possess the Javelin anti-tank missile, um, and a direct fire, direct fire capability uh, in the 12.7 millimeter heavy machine gun. Um, other assets, uh, such as a troop of, of four cavalry armored vehicles or a battery of six 105 millimeter guns could be bolted on and attached 
to an infantry battalion as well as a platoon of engineers forming what we would call a battalion group or for short a battle group mm-hmm. um, so you see the infantry don't operate in isolation uh, we require the support of the other corps the combat support and the combat service support to do our job um, so as I said we're not better than any other corps no, no corps is better than, than, than the infantry um, but despite the battle winning uh, critically enabling roles that the other corps provide that last 100, meter, 100 meters of the battlefield that belongs to the infantry uh, as you close with and, and meet and destroy the enemy so our role reflects this so outlined in Irish Army doctrine um, the role of the infantry is to destroy the enemy and to hold ground by day or night on any terrain so Rory, based on what, what Comrade Egerton has just outlined to us, could you tell us a little bit more what the Infantry Corps means to yourself or, and your experience in it? Um, the Infantry Corps for me, they're the heart of the Defence Forces. Um, everyone who is trained in the Army is trained primarily as an infantry soldier. Therefore, we are first and foremost infantry soldiers. We're then sent to the different corps within the, the DF and we learn new skills and become a soldier of that corps. But our base is always in the Infantry and the Infantry Corps. Um, if we look at the, the wars of the last 20 years, uh, the greatest losses are infantry soldiers. Mm-hmm. And that's down to exactly what Commandant Egerton has just said. Uh, the infantry corps owned the final 100 metres of the battle. And infantry soldiers, the man or woman that will risk it all and put themselves in that final 100 metres. Um, something that really defines the Defence Force for me is a quote. Um, and it left a massive mark on me as a young soldier. It was from a, a captain of B Company, 3rd Infantry Battalion. And he said this, he said... Um, the infantry soldier is the only soldier on the battlefield who will see the whites of their enemy's eyes. And this really defines for me what the infantry is about. Um, it's about that, that final 100 metres. So, sir, um, uh, I mentioned in the intro about the infantry ethos, uh, um, but could you tell us exactly what it is and, and why it exists? Yeah, sure. Um, so the word ethos is a Greek word. Uh, it, it means customs or character. So every... Um, all the behaviours, practices and values that distinguish one group from another, um, it could be referred to as its ethos. So the Infantry Corps, like any other organisation, has a very specific ethos. Mm-hmm. It's the role and the practices and the values that make us unique, uh, that give us our own collective identity and personality within the Irish Army. So that unique ethos, values, character, etc., that's evolved since the foundation of the state within, within the, the Army, within the Infantry Corps. So it's, not, it's nothing new. Uh, it's just that maybe we didn't actually write it down before. Okay. So in 2018, noticing the lack of a written ethos, uh, that I saw the potential for a very valuable motivational tool with this in terms of cohesion and pride and morale. Um, I, decided, I, I got permission to put together a working group. Uh, Rory was on the working group with me um, and it was primarily consisted of very experienced NCOs. Like the, the NCOs are the, 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 you know, they're, they're the oil that, that keeps the machine running uh, and they're the, they're the heart of the Infantry Corps in terms of turning officers' plans into action. So it was very important to listen to senior NCOs who were highly experienced infantry soldiers. Um, so we talked to men and women from throughout the Corps at all ranks. People fed into it in, 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 in small and large capacities. And we captured everyone's contribution, primarily through, work, through um, focus groups, everyone's contribution. And we translated that into uh, the Infantry ethos. The Infantry ethos at that time centred on eight infantry soldier principles. Um, those principles served us very well, but uh, the Director of Infantry earlier this year uh, noticed an opportunity to review and refresh it after we had the initial period of, of four years for it to soak in, to see could we make it, could we improve it, could we relaunch it, could we reinvigorate the core uh, broadly, but specifically the infantry ethos. So the, the two main changes that came about with that ethos where the history of the Infantry Corps was thoroughly researched mm-hmm. and captured in the booklet. And I, can, I can cover that in a minute if you like. Mm-hmm. And then the, the eight Infantry Soldier principles were rationalised down to four, so much, much easier for people to remember. Okay. Um, the, the, the way their phrase is punchier and just easier to recite. Um, but the essence of the original eight 
uh, principles and what those those uh, senior NCOs and officers contributed to it, that's not lost. It's still contained within those four principles. So recently, um, the director of infantry relaunched it, mm-hmm. um, and and later people will see far more. Um, they'll see posters and booklets around their, their units, and they'll see this be much more of a feature in day to day life uh, in the infantry battalions. So, sir, you spoke about the four infantry soldier principles, but you also spoke about the history as well. So, do you mind going through a little bit of the history first, and then we can uh, we can tackle the four uh, principles? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I should point out um, that the history of the infantry corps was very thoroughly researched by uh, a highly qualified person to do so, not me, um, Commandant Steve McGowan. So, he's he's currently two IC of Third Infantry Battalion, um, but he was formerly uh, officer in charge of military archives, giving him the 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 uh, history qualification, I suppose, to do this. So. What, what, what Steve did was he, he traced the infantry soldier, regardless of nation, uh, mm-hmm. in Ireland back a very long way. And he, he went right back, uh, like the modern concept of the infantry corps that we understand today and what I've talked about so far, that, that derives from the professional development uh, of 18th century armies manoeuvring around Europe. Okay, So that, that's where what we understand the infantry to be today is derived from that. But if you look further back in time to the mythology around Fionn McCool and the Fianna, they were the prototype Irish army. So they were the first Irish army on, on this island. Um, and the sacred hill of Allen in Kildare has been uh, commemorated uh, with the statue of Fionn and, and his hounds at the, at the entrance of the, the Curragh camp uh, also linked to that commemoration. Mm-hmm. Um, heroes such as uh, Cú displayed legendary fitness, resilience, weapons handling, uh, not only in their ability to use swords and spears in battle, but also playing sports. So that, that isn't lost in, in the ethos today. Um, but the story of the Irish soldier really, it, it covers a huge period and um, I know you're going to include a link to the Infantry Ethos booklet in, in this podcast yeah, uh, description, so description. I'd really encourage your listeners to take the time to read that history. Mm-hmm. I won't do it justice today mm-hmm. trying to explain it, but what, what Steve has captured, he's captured, with your, your listeners may be familiar with the, the wild geese concept where, where Irish soldiers would travel and um, fight with other European uh, nation states such as France or Spain. Um, so Irish soldiers have served the conflicts across Europe in 17th, 18th and 19th centuries. Um, the modern Irish period then he covers... Uh, Irish soldiers serving in the the, um, the British Army in the First World War, um, in the uh, British Army in the Second World War, etc. But also in the uh, foundation of the state, so going right back to the the modern to the origins of the modern Irish state, Oglig na Heron, uh, the emblems which we we still contain on our uniform today, mm-hmm. right back to 1913, the Easter Rising, the War of Independence. That that's all part of the heritage of the Irish Defence Forces, the Irish Army, and specifically the Irish Infantry. Mm-hmm. So so Steve has captured that. We then look at a bit of a, a turning point in, in 1960 with the advent of peace support operations. So the Congo, um, obviously being, a, being a, the first large troop contribution we had to United Nations peacekeeping. And in particular, uh, Steve has covered the the, uh, the battle of the siege of Jadaville, which your listeners will be familiar with from the Netflix film. Mm-hmm. Um, he also speaks about how predominantly we've provided infantry battalions and infantry groups. So the infantry have always been to the fore in, in, in our deployments overseas. And still to this day, the vast majority of personnel deploying our infantry. Um, and one, one particular highlight he mentions is the fact that in East Timor, um, the Army Ranger Wing deployed to uh, what they would call a, a task unit or, or a platoon to serve with a New Zealand infantry uh, battalion. And when okay. the Ranger Wing finished their deployment, they handed over to the infantry. So infantry platoons from regular infantry battalions mm-hmm. took over from the Army Ranger Wing, which are special forces, and continued serving in East Timor with the follow-on mission to that. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he highlights that. Um, so it's really worth, I would encourage, uh, as I said, I won't do it justice here now, but I would encourage your, your listeners to go and look this up. Uh, even if you just Google Infantry Ethos, they'll find the booklet on military.ie, but the, the link in the description should help them, but it's, it's worth a read. So, sir, Common Egerton, uh, you mentioned the infantry manoeuvre uh, being mounted and dismounted throughout the battlefield. 
So can you explain to me and particularly the listener, what does that mean? Yeah, well, quite simply, uh, it just means, mounted means in an armoured personnel carrier and dismounted means on foot. So the Irish Army's Infantry Corps is primarily what we would term light infantry. Mm -hmm. Um, I know some serving members won't agree with that when they they think of the heavy backpacks they've had to carry, but (laughs) but light means in terms of your footprint logistically. So the, the light infantry means moving on foot, carrying all of your equipment with you. And the seven infantry battalions we have are all predominantly light, albeit with with a, with a certain amount of uh, vehicular transport by truck. Mm-hmm. Um, so having been inserted by air or by soft skin vehicle, y- you manoeuvre on foot. Um, the, the fact you move on foot means uh, light infantry have a low tactical profile, making them a less obvious target to an enemy that might be observing them. Um, it also means they have a smaller logistics tail, i.e. they're carrying what they need in their backpack, so they don't need a fleet of trucks behind them bringing all their equipment. Okay. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's obviously that's quite good in terms of moving in restricted areas such as forest mm-hmm. uh, or built up area means that they can maneuver to, in areas where maybe they're not expected to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some, uh, despite the many advantages, there are some disadvantages such as the lack of mobility. Mm-hmm. Moving on foot is obviously slower than moving in a vehicle. So in addition to our seven light infantry battalions, the Irish Army also has a permanently mechanised infantry company. Um, so that's based in the Curragh camp. And both, both Rory and I have served in the, the, this unit in the past. Um, Rory for quite, quite a long period. Um, so the unit is, is the de facto school also for mechanised infantry tactics mm-hmm. um, and for for infantry armoured personnel carrier driver training. Um, so it, it, the infantry mechanised capability is based on the Moag Piranha 3 armoured personnel carrier. I'm sure many of your listeners um, uh, and even those not currently serving in the army will be familiar with the u- ubiquitous image of the Moag uh, APC mm-hmm. while deployed overseas um, usually with the UN they're painted white yeah. so they're probably familiar with this image um, the MOAG uh, APC offers infantry soldiers across co- cross-country mobility protection communications target acquisition observation by day, day or night using the optics uh, built into the vehicle's uh, weapon station and the APCs can also provide enhanced firepower via their 40mm grenade machine gun or 12.7mm heavy machine gun, which is coaxially mounted, meaning the two weapons are pointed in the same direction, um, with a 7.62mm general purpose machine gun mm-hmm. on the vehicle's dual remote weapon station. So what we mean by remote weapon station is they're operated from inside the vehicle. So again, it's further protection. The soldiers can operate the, the weapon system, even just to observe mm-hmm. from within the vehicle without exposing themselves to enemy observation or fire. Um, so uh, while, while I mentioned that the seven infantry battalions that we have in, in the Irish Army are light, and uh, when we deploy overseas, we primarily deploy uh, a mechanised infantry force with cavalry, artillery, engineers, etc., bolted on to, to, to support the battalion. Um, so that means that infantry corps soldiers are adept not just in light infantry tactics, but also mechanised infantry tactics, techniques and procedures. And the more they serve overseas, the more they refresh these skills. So then, Rory, you've kind of spent, it kind of seems to me that you've kind of spent a bit go part of your career in one mechanised infantry company in the mounted kind of role and then also in the 7th infantry battalion now in the dismounted the light role. So could you tell us the difference between or your, you, what you feel the difference is between mechanised and light infantry? Yeah, that's no problem at all. So I arrived into the, the only, or the Army's only mechanised infantry unit in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Moag armoured personnel carrier had only been brought online in 2001 so it was quite new in the unit. Um, the focus of the entire unit was to get people trained up and, when dr- and well drilled in the MOAG and uh, the ability to work as a mechanised unit. Mm-hmm. 
As such, um, our tactics had to change to suit the APCs. The section, which is normally made of nine, had to be made smaller uh, to, to fit the back of the MOAGs and the kit. Um, we never really worked with support weapons as a, a, a mechanised unit because the vehicles provided all the support we ever needed okay. uh, with the coaxial uh, weapons on top. Mm -hmm. um, the backpacks were rarely carried, so not like a, a normal light infantry unit. Um, we would strip down and leave everything we possibly could in the vehicles okay. um, to make us a slicker outfit. Um, at the time, the Defence Force was still using belt order, uh, and even that was modified to suit the vehicles, and that was until the introduction of the, belt, uh, the battle vest in about 2008. So basically, we were extremely light infantry soldiers um, uh, when we exited the vehicles, but we had the support of the vehicles in close proximity uh, at all times. This is in massive comparison to the 7th Battalion where I am now. Uh, just this morning when coming off duty, I saw an 84mm anti-tank young entry course being drilled. Uh, yesterday, while I was on duty, the HMG platoon were out doing refresher drills. And uh, There's much more of an emphasis on these support weapons and the, the, the ability of the soldier to use them efficiently and effectively. The unit has also just won a silver medal in the Cambrian Patrol, and okay. uh, the Cambrian Patrol is an international long-range patrolling competition. It's ran in South Wales over a 48-hour period, mm -hmm. where an infantry section patrol over 40 kilometres with all their section equipment, um, and they conduct infantry tactics. Um, there's much more of an emphasis on the basic infantry skills in the 7th Battalion than there would have been in the mechanised unit. Uh, so it's quite clear difference between the mechanised infantry and the conventional light infantry soldier, in my experience. So we've mentioned the infantry soldier principles a couple of times throughout the chat here, but can you talk to me exactly about what they are? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned at the start that to revise the infantry toss, we formed a working group. Mm -hmm. And that working group consisted of uh, a cross-section of men and women from the infantry corps, a variety of ranks from sergeant to lieutenant colonel. Mm -hmm. So the infantry soldier principles are the product of multiple discussions with those people. We also conducted a focus group with an infantry unit where privates, corporals and, and lieutenants gave us feedback. And we incorporated mm -hmm. our feedback into the, the four infantry soldier principles that are now contained in the revised infantry ethos. So apart from me discussing with you now, I'd really encourage your listeners to look them up mm -hmm. and read them themselves. Um, so essentially there's four infantry soldier principles. Um, these capture the essence of the Corps and its unique role and place within the Irish Army. Um, the four principles underpin the operational effectiveness of every member of the Corps, regardless of rank. Mm -hmm. um, and they are infantry soldiers are robust and resilient. Mm -hmm. Infantry soldiers seize the initiative. Infantry soldiers demand excellence. And infantry soldiers fight as a team. Yes, yeah, so for, for me, they're a, a guideline for infantry soldiers in order for them to excel within the army. Mm -hmm. uh, they apply to all infantry soldiers, no matter what their rank is, um, whether that's the private soldier going on a unit exercise or the company commander looking to develop himself as a, a leader within the infantry corps. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll just read through the, the four principles now, and Rory can offer his perspectives uh, yeah, on each principle yeah, as, as I, I read them. So the first one, infantry soldiers are robust and resilient. The infantry have a unique role to destroy the enemy and to hold ground by night or day on any terrain. This requires us to maintain exceptional levels of physical fitness and a positive mindset focused on accomplishing assigned missions and tasks. The very nature of infantry operations means we must endure physical hardships imposed by load, terrain, climate and time pressures. Mm -hmm. And all infantry soldiers must be willing to overcome hardship, offsetting adversity with positivity. Infantry soldiers at all levels must be prepared to sustain, sustain themselves in the harshest of conditions, ready to deal with unexpected challenges. Through challenging and robust training, we can offset the impact of the unknown with physical robustness and mental resilience. Yeah, um, so just again on that point, uh, the infantry soldier for me must be physically robust. 
And how do they get this? They get this through all different types of training. They must have the ability and the mental toughness to battle through adversity and persist in order to reach their goal and succeed in their mission. Mm-hmm. And so basically the infantry soldier must be well trained, disciplined and have the mental capacity to deal with whatever is put in front of him, no matter what pressure he's under. Uh, this toughness and resilience comes uh, with robust training, which starts on induction into the army and built upon through years in, of unit training. Yeah, and uh, we see this manifested overseas. So mm-hmm. um, some of the deployments in the past to East Timor, which was a jungle environment, mm-hmm. a, mount, a mountainous jungle environment, um, and the, the operations there were conducted on foot. They were, they were, uh, the patrolling was, was very much light infantry. Um, in Liberia, where the, the climate was quite humid and very hot, when, and Rory served in, in Liberia, and I, I served in Chad, um, which was as hot but not humid. So the, the physical robustness and mental resilience helps you get through the, even just the physical challenges mm-hmm. uh, put in front of you as a member of the Corps. Um, so the next one then is infantry soldiers seize the initiative. Mm-hmm. So mission command is a leadership and command philosophy that promotes decentralised authority, freedom of action and initiative while being responsive to superior direction. Infantry leaders must promote mission command by showing clear commander's intent and guidance with an emphasis on the desired end state, telling subordinates what to do, but not how to do it. Okay. Infantry soldiers should seek to seize the initiative and to exploit opportunities in order to achieve mission success. With mission command, trust between junior leaders and soldiers is mutual. Junior leaders and soldiers must master all aspects of the profession, demonstrating infantry tactics, techniques and procedures of the highest standards, thus creating an environment of mutual trust. And this ultimately facilitates empowerment, allowing greater freedom of action. Um, seizing the initiative, um, f- for me, this is about the soldier knowing, uh, but more importantly, understanding their job okay. and what they're being sent out to do. And once you have a well-drilled soldier who understands their role, they're empowered. Uh, you're empowering them to seize that initiative. Uh, they don't need to be given direction when they're in that final 100 metres that we've spoken about a couple of times. They'll simply carry out the commander's plan. And if something unexpected arises, uh, they have the necessary skills because they've been trained with the necessary skills and the ability to deal with that and continue on until they reach that mission success. And that that's key to um, the soldier principles here. Uh, Rory nailed it there now. And, that, and that's it's a, a junior leader making a decision in the absence of direction from his or her immediate commander because a commander can't be everywhere all yeah, at once. Yeah, and as the situation rapidly changes, you want an empowered corporal, mm-hmm. sergeant, lieutenant, ready to make a decision and to act and decide quicker than, than the adversary can. Because so what, what stands out to me there is you're telling subordinates what to do, but not how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think if you, if, you, if you give someone a really good why, then the mm-hmm. what doesn't matter. Okay. So a good, clear commander's intent, explain to someone what they're trying to achieve, what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And then you let that, that subordinate figure out. And from my own experience, where I've empowered junior officers and NCOs, particularly in the NCO training wing, when you empower them and give them the freedom to go and figure out a task by themselves, as long as you've given them clear intent, mm-hmm. you'll always be impressed with the product they produce. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll always be surprised by the, the ingenuity and the, um, the, the resourcefulness uh, of an empowered NCO or junior officer. Um, so the next one then is infantry soldiers demand excellence. Mm-hmm. So infantry soldiers must strive for the highest professional standards through the relentless pursuit of excellence. Infantry leaders at all ranks should demand excellence from their superiors, subordinates and peers alike. The challenging nature of infantry operations requires a high performance mindset. Therefore, infantry soldiers must strive to master all aspects of the role and perform to the highest standards. During training and in operations both at home and overseas, commanders and subordinates must inculcate a culture of excellence across all ranks and recognise and reward high performance. Demanding excellence is a bottom-up and a top-down activity. What you allow in your presence, those are your standards. Yeah, from, from my time in the initial training, I saw soldiers constantly striving for professional excellence when it comes to courses. Um, soldiers were arriving, having prepared for months for the course, 
uh, it was kind of a common thing in the, the unit to say that these soldiers would have been big fish in their home units or under home barracks. But when they arrived in the Enso training, they wanted to prove that they were the big fish within the big pond that is the, the army. Mm -hmm. um, but one particular group of soldiers, I have to say from Tor Battalion in Kilkenny, uh, stand out to me. These soldiers were all outstandingly fit, were pushing hard for A grades under combat fitness assessments. But they weren't just happy with getting the A grade, they all wanted to outdo each other. Uh, which pushed them all to an absolute outstanding level of fitness. Uh, they weren't happy with just getting the highest marks for the fitness. They wanted the bragging rights within their unit. Uh, and this was, for me, what striving for professional excellence is all about. Like It was about that, not just wanting the A grade, is wanting to beat the guy beside you and, mm -hmm. and be that big fish in the pond. like So that competitive edge, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, the competitive edge. like, And, mm -hmm. and that's what drove them on. like, And, and okay. they're all outstanding sergeants now at this stage in Defence Forces. And there's another aspect to this as well, is the bottom-up approach, where okay. they'll, they'll, you know, a good junior leader should ask for clarification from his or her commander mm -hmm. if the instructions aren't clear. Okay. So if they get a commander's intent that maybe doesn't describe what success looks like or the end state, go back and ask for more guidance. And that, that's not in any way insubordinate, it's mm -hmm. actually being quite subordinate. It's asking your boss for better guidance so you can yeah. do your job for him or her. Um, so the next one then is um, infantry soldiers fight as a team. The infantry is a team of teams. Infantry soldiers create strong teams by fostering cohesion. Each infantry soldier is an integral and independent part of his or her section, platoon, company and battalion. Each of these teams are integral parts of the Irish infantry. And each team is only as strong as the members uh, of that team and teams rely on each other to achieve mission success through mutual support and collaboration. Mm -hmm. So this not only includes teams within an infantry battalion, but across the All Arms Brigade, where combat support soldiers work very hard to find, fix and suppress the enemy, and combat service support soldiers arm, feed, fuel and maintain our infantry battalions. This enables the infantry to fulfil their unique role to destroy the enemy and to hold ground by night or day on any terrain. In terms of working as a team, um, so I, I, like I said earlier on in the podcast, I, um, I'm training recruits at the moment in the 7th Battalion. Yeah. And over the last couple of days, I've been trying to instill on my recruits uh, how important it is to be part of the team. And I, I currently say that they're just starting week five and uh, they're in kind of the, the norming phase. So they've passed through forming and storming phases. Um, but my platoon sergeant um, stood up in front of him after a very, very hard PT session mm -hmm. and he gave them one of the simplest yet most effective visual displays of, uh, of a team uh, and why it's vitally important. He simply took a twig from the ground and said, this is the individual. Once I apply pressure, it's going to break. The, the twig obviously broke. He then took a handful of twigs and said, I, I'm gonna, this represents the team and I'm going to apply the same amount of pressure. Um, none of them broke. Mm -hmm. He then explained that teamwork was about um, being strong for those around you and being able to take some of the pressure uh, from everyone in order to lighten the load. Mm -hmm. From personal experience then working in the NSO training, I was surrounded by a wonderful team. Each of us knew our strengths, but more importantly, we knew each other's weaknesses. So we knew when to take that pressure from each other and when to, to put on that little bit more pressure on each other to make us strive for professional excellence by working as a team. And this for me was the importance of teamwork within the Defence Forces. So we spoke about the infantry ethos and then the, the infantry soldier principles. So but where can where can soldiers or servant soldiers see them or where they can they find them? Well, first of all, by Googling infantry ethos, they'll get access to the digital uh, infantry ethos okay. booklet. Um, or that, that military.e? It's military.e, yeah. but even just Googling infantry ethos, it'll, it'll come up okay. on, on military.e. Uh, there's no other infantry ethos uh, I found out. Um, but the, the link in the description to this podcast as well, they can go directly to it. Okay. But there's a copy of the infantry ethos booklet and hard copy being issued to every member of the infantry corps in coming weeks, regardless of where they work, whether it's in a battalion or a headquarters, but everyone that's in the infantry corps will, will have a copy of this printed for them. There'll be posters around units and orderly rooms and, and common areas. 
outlining the infantry soldier principles, uh, just listing them and also going into detail about them. And every member of the infantry corps will soon be issued uh, infantry soldier card. So it's a little plastic credit card size um, summary of the of the principles, and that's a personal issue to everybody in the corps. So the the hope is that this will will serve as um, uh, a motivational tool and improve cohesion, morale, and core pride. As well as this, there's a short video prepared by the Defence Forces audiovisual crew that outlines the four principles. And by googling Infantry Ethos, you'll find a digital copy of the full booklet on military.ie. So anyone currently serving, four members or general public can read the Infantry Ethos in full using that resource. So, sir, Rory, we'll finish up now in, in, in a second. But before we do, I'd like to ask you, what would you say to anyone who's listening who might be thinking of joining the Army, but specifically joining the Infantry Corps? Well, first, first of all, I say... Anyone that joins the army, they have a very good chance of ending up in the infantry corps. Mm-hmm. Even just initially, they might specialise later on. But as I mentioned, we've seven infantry battalions, and and forty five percent of the army is infantry. So we we do there is a good chance of, of people ending up in the infantry. Um, I'd fully recommend them. Twenty years in at this stage in the infantry corps, I've served in three different infantry units, and in the infantry school, and I've got the opportunity to do many different courses and to deliver instruction on courses. And I found it a thoroughly rewarding and enjoyable experience. Um, I think for anyone that, that generates an image in their head of what the army looks like, if they're trying to imagine what a career might look like, it's typically an infantry soldier that they'll they'll conceive in their mind mm-hmm. and they'll find in the infantry corps that many of the expectations they have uh, of a career in the army before they actually research it, they will actually find in the infantry corps. So mm-hmm. anyone that's into, uh, wants a personal challenge, um, is into the outdoors, likes a bit of variety and the opportunity to serve their country at home and overseas, I would fully recommend a career in the Army and spe- specifically the Infantry Corps to, to anyone listening. For me, uh, when I joined back in 2004, there was an advertisement that showed clips of the Infantry Soldier uh, on patrol in East Team or in Costfall, like we talked about earlier. Uh, it had a tagline, a life less ordinary, and I can truly say my career today in the Infantry has been exactly that. The infantry is the perception of what the army is that we get from war books, films, computer games and all that. Again, like Conor Egerin just alluded to, it's the basis of every military force. And like I said earlier, it's it's the heart of the defence forces and the heart of the army. And that that's why I, I think the for me, the infantry has been a, a brilliant ride so far. Finally, just to say to any of your listeners that do decide to join the army and end up in the infantry corps, uh, those principles I mentioned, infantry soldiers are robust and resilient, seize the initiative, demand excellence, Fives a team. The emphasis on what Rory and I have discussed today has been on training and preparing for operations and indeed going on operations at home and overseas. But but those principles can permeate into all aspects of military life and all aspects of the soldier's professional uh, life. So they, they are an inspiration, uh, not just for, for the areas we discussed today, but throughout all aspects of being an infantry soldier. So, sir, Rory, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, that was an excellent chat and it was great to have you on. Thanks for having us today. Thank really, really good experience to, to discuss the infantry toss and you know, obviously we're aware your your audience includes uh, serving members, retired members, um, but also people considering uh, joining the Defence Forces. And I think hopefully what we said today will encourage people to uh, go for the Army and specifically the Infantry Corps. So thanks for having us. For further information on the Infantry Corps, click on the link in the description or check out the Infantry tab on our website, military.ie. The Irish Defence Force podcast is available on Spotify, Acast and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison of the Defence Force Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Force podcast will be back soon with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.